Hello and welcome to the Vetfolio Podcast. My name is Matthew Lyon and I'll be serving as your host. Thank you for joining us for this special podcast series on financial planning, brought to you by Vetfolio and Hills Pet Nutrition. During this four-part series, we'll explore how you can make the most of your money and some unique opportunities for those in the veterinary profession. Our guest speaker for this exciting topic is Stith Kaiser, the business manager for My Veterinary Career for the American Animal Hospital Association. Stith founded My Veterinary Career in 2007 and began supporting the profession through the organization's efforts to connect the professionals with practices across North America looking for talented individuals. Stith's industry experience includes facilitating workshops and speaking at national and local veterinary conferences. Additionally, he conducts career development-related workshops for Veterinary Business Management Association and student chapters of the AVMA. Stith is a member of the Veterinary Partners, chair of the Career Development Special Interest Group, and serves on the American Animal Hospital Association's recent graduate task force. Now let's join Stith for the second part of investment strategies for each part of your career. Welcome to our third session, Investment Strategies for Each Stage of Your Career, Part 2, in our personal finance series. In this session, we'll delve into specific investment opportunities and discuss how to make investment decisions based on the stage of your career. When I was in middle school, my dad gave me two books. One was The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, And the other one was one called The Millionaire Next Door. I'll admit that when I was in middle school, I didn't appreciate probably the life lessons in either of those. But what's amazing is I've held on to them, which is pretty amazing for me. And two, I look back at them very frequently now and think about all the life lessons that I gleaned from those. The Millionaire Next Door is so cool because a lot of times we think of millionaires as being doctors, probably not veterinarians, but but human physicians, and attorneys, these high-profile physicians. And what this book is about is how someone with who's a veterinarian, very respectable career, but probably not making a million dollars a year, how someone with a good, respectable career can be responsible stewards of their money and actually accrue some wealth and become that millionaire next door. Let's talk about how to actually do that. I want to start with the beginning of your career. I know we have a mixed audience probably listening to this. Some are going to be veterinary students, and some are going to be associates who are already out in practice or somewhere along their career path. When you're in school, or really even if you're in your first or second year of practice or whatever position you're in, what do you think the number one investment opportunity is? In other words, if you want to become that millionaire next door, where's the best place you can focus your time and energy? What I'm hoping you said is you because yourself is the best place to devote that time and energy. I would rather see you forego paying jobs in vet school over a summer that are going to be menial jobs and go get hands-on real-world experience in vet med. I would rather you take a slightly lower job that will still allow you to meet your loan obligations, but at a practice with a great mentor, with a great client base, with a good caseload, and really hone your skills, than to go somewhere and get paid $80,000 a year but really not do much more than stand and watch. Very few people are going to pay $80,000 a year to go stand and watch, but we've all seen the practices that you may not get a lot of experience even if the salary is better. So in your first year, figure out how you can hone the skills that you're weak on to make you a better practitioner down the road. Now, if you're still in school, let's talk about what you need to be doing to make yourself more hireable. And really, even if you've been out for a year or two, a lot of these skills are going to transition over. 
we've surveyed several thousand veterinarians over the last couple of years through the American Animal Hospital Association, through the Veterinary Business Management Association, and we basically asked them what traits they value in associate or even partner material veterinarians. We did not give them a list of things to check a box. We truly said, what's going to make one veterinarian hireable over another? And the things that we hear time and time again are things like positive energy and attitude, excellent client service skills, good decision-making and problem-solving ability, confidence, and business acumen. You'll notice from that list I just read, none of those are directly technical skills. Practice owners do want technical skills. Don't get me wrong. You need to be able to make a diagnosis. You need to have, depending on the practice type, surgical skills. But we expect you as a new graduate or as somebody who's been out for a couple of years, we expect you to know how to do those things. So what's going to separate you from someone else? What's going to land you that right job or get you that higher paycheck are the skills we just talked about. Now is the time, whether you're in school having the opportunity to get involved in clubs or do externships or volunteer, now is the time to start putting yourself in environments to hone up on those. If you're already in practice, you ought to be having the opportunity day in, day out to practice good client service skills. That energy, leaving your problems at home when you walk in the clinic every day, that's what we're talking about when we talk about positive attitude. I see so many new graduates, unfortunately, they want to relate to the team. They want to be best friends with everybody. So when technicians having a bad day, instead of being the cheerleader and keeping people up, they think, well, if I drop down to their level, I'll show them that empathy and they'll like me more. And so they lose that positive attitude and become negative just like the other person in practice. Don't fall into that trap. The business acumen, there's some great resources out there from CE at different conferences. AHA has some great programs. Uh, AVMA has some good programs. But start learning about key performance indicators in veterinary medicine. Learn how to read a profit and loss statement. Even if you never want to be a practice owner, and I do this in my own practices, I'm going to hire someone who understands the economics of veterinary medicine because whatever I pay you, you've got to bring that value to the practice. The more you understand about how to contribute that value and how to measure that value, the more you're going to be worth to our team. After we get through this stage of building yourself, being the investment yourself, let's talk about this associate slash employee stage. Your number one investment opportunity is your job. We've talked about how to be the best associate you can be. Now let's talk about how to negotiate for the best package that you can. This starts with compensation. There's really only three primary types of compensation out there. You have straight salary, which is a traditional, you come work for me for $70,000 a year, and at the end of the year, if you're doing well, I keep you. If you're doing really well, maybe I'll give you a slight increase to keep up with inflation. And if you're not doing well, I either fire you or hope you get better on your own. That's straight salary. The next one we're seeing gain a lot of popularity is called ProSal. All of these have good and bad things about them. There are people out there that hate ProSal that will tell you you should never take a ProSal compensation structure. My argument is that pro-sal, which is the base salary plus production, is not inherently good or bad. Yes, it can encourage competition if the environment and the culture of the practice allows it to happen. Yes, it can encourage you to practice unethical medicine by recommending services and tests that aren't needed. But again, that only happens if your moral compass is off or if the practice encourages that. Paying a veterinarian based on a straight base salary plus a percent of what they produce can encourage us to find ways to be better veterinarians, to practice better medicine, and not to make the huge mistake of judging a client by their pocketbook. The last type of compensation is straight production. You tend to see this most frequently in emergency or specialty settings. I do see this some in general practice. 
This is one I would be careful about. I like the fact that there's no ceiling to it. Whatever you produce, you get a straight percent of. Usually on straight production, you're looking at 23 to 25% because you're not getting benefits. So I like the fact that your earning potential is almost unlimited, but there's a lot of things you can't control that are going to factor into that. For example, the style of medicine the practice actually utilizes, how you leverage your technicians, how many clients are coming through the door. Some of those things you can impact, but some of those things are also out of your control. What I always recommend most new graduates who I feel like will be successful in this model is shoot for pro-sal. Don't settle for straight salary. It's a trap. You know, this, this kind of security blanket of, oh, I can, I'm going to get paid $70,000 a year whether I produce or not. At the end of the day, you have to produce enough to cover us having you there. If you don't, short-term, we're, we're going to try to work with you. A good practice owner should try to coach you and encourage you. But long-term, if you're consistently not producing enough to cover your salary, as a business, we can't afford to keep you on. A simple rule of thumb here to use when you're trying to figure out how your salary relates to what you produce in a practice, we use a rule of five or 20%. So for example, if you want to make $70,000 a year, you multiply that times five, you have to produce $350,000 a year. If you want to make $80,000 a year, you multiply that by five, you have to produce $400,000 a year. That's how we back into what your salary should be. The reason I mention all this is we want to make sure you get the right salary for you and the environment you're in so you have this excess money to start investing elsewhere. Also pay a lot of attention to your benefits package. One of the great opportunities you'll have as an associate veterinarian or a partner as well is a retirement contribution. A lot of practices will offer some sort of 401k with a match. I know when you're fresh out of school, you're so worried about paying off student loans, you think you can't afford to put anything into your 401k. My dad once told me this, and that was that I was crazy not to contribute to a 401k, especially with a match, because if a match is happening, it means I am matching your contribution up to a certain limit, and I'm literally giving you free money. And in our last session, we talked about the rule of 72, or the idea of compounding interest you ought to be taking every opportunity possible to get free money to start allowing that compounding to happen. Another option we can start exploring when we have a little bit of money is the stock market. I saw a great quote the other day by someone named, I believe, Bernard Shaw saying, the purpose of the stock market is to make a fool of as many men as possible. I got to chuckle from that because you always hear about people trying to predict the stock market. And while there's people a lot smarter than me that I'm sure can do a better job than I can predicting it, the point is no one can predict the stock market. We talked about the value of diversifying your investments. The same is true here. The stock market can be a great investing tool, but don't put all your money into this any more than you put all your money into anything else. If you're going to explore the stock market, either A, love it and get good at it and do your own investing, or B, Hire a financial advisor. I'm not a financial advisor, so I'm not plugging myself here. Find someone whose job it is, just like your job is to practice medicine, their job is to understand the stock market and advise you based on what your goals are. A good financial advisor ought to talk to you about your risk tolerance. Do you want low risk and therefore possibly low returns? Are you willing to go high risk but also means possibly higher returns? They're going to talk to you about what your financial goals are and help you pick the types of stocks or mutual funds that are best for your career. As a, an associate, assuming that you are, this is your first career and you're, you're younger, most people are going to encourage you to look for mutual funds that are higher in stocks 
versus bonds. Stocks have higher volatility, which means there's more risk, but the stock market's a long-term game. So putting money in now, you can ride out the ups and downs versus when you're getting maybe to being the exit strategy point of your career and you're starting to look at this retirement or this money for retirement in the next couple years, you might want to go more with bonds and CDs, which have much lower risk but also a much lower rate of return. Stock market's one option as an associate or employee. The next one is a practice owner, and we're going to cover this in our next session in detail. I have seen practice ownership, when done right, be the best investment that I've ever seen. Where else can we do something we love to do? We're in a career we're passionate about, and we really get to, if you don't mind the saying, control our own destiny by controlling the vehicle, i.e. the practice we're putting our money into. I know that ownership is not right for everybody, so another option to consider could be real estate. I mentioned a story in an earlier session about a colleague of mine who is a practice owner in Texas and owns 20-some-odd rental properties. have got multiple people I know who have done this, and while there is risk in owning rental properties like anywhere else, uh, the housing market can change. You've got to have someone manage all these things. There's costs when your renters go and break something, but it can be a great piece of the portfolio if you're interested in real estate. Other businesses can be really anything you want them to be. Agriculture, I know a lot for our, our food and food animal and, and uh, mixed animal friends. You know, we love getting into running our own cattle or doing some stuff with horses. Rarely do you see someone become filthy rich off of ranching, but in good years when the market's cycling the right way, you can expect about a 2% return overall. It can also be a great tax write-off owning a property. So if your passion's in agriculture, crops as well could be worth exploring. I see a lot of veterinarians who are successful in practice going to consulting and speaking. A lot of the big names on the circuit these days spent time in practice, either a veterinarian or a manager first. I know we've covered a variety of different types of investment opportunities today, looking at when you're a student or a new grad and when you're an associate or an employee or when you get to that kind of the golden age of your career and you're starting to think about what else can you do with your veterinary career, whether that's the speaking, the consulting, getting out of practice. My hope here today is that we understand that each stage of our career sets us up to be in an ideal spot for some of these different investment strategies. Thank you for listening as we talked about the plethora of investment opportunities available and which might be best for you. Please listen in on our next session, Practice Ownership as an Investment, to learn more about how to capitalize on this great opportunity. Thank you for joining us for this special podcast on financial planning. Make sure you check out the rest of the series. We'd like to thank Hills Pet Nutrition for partnering with Vetfolio to bring you this great series. If you'd like to share your comments and thoughts on this podcast or other Vetfolio podcasts, please email us at support at vetfolio.com.